Welcome to Murder on Silk Road, the podcast that explores Asian and European true crime cases. I'm Julia, and with me is my friend and co-host, Lina. I'm Lina, and each episode we will be sharing either an Asian or a European case. Between these episodes, we will bring you a shorter in-between episode, where whoever did a case that week will prepare a random topic to discuss. Before we get started, a general warning. The themes discussed in these stories may be disturbing and triggering for some, so listener discretion is advised. Hello, hello. Hello. It is us again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is us again. Every week, um, how it is are us. you? Oh, really? Every every week? Is that how often we're doing this? Yes, that's how it works, Julia. Oh. <laughs> yes, I'm doing good and dreading tomorrow because it's Monday again. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But everything else is good. What about you? Well, um, I feel like I need a break, but okay, that's just a general feeling. But there's been like good things here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my parents had a listen. My brother had oh, a listen. Oh gosh! Oh gosh! Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think they're gonna keep listening. If I'm honest. No. <laughs> maybe maybe my brother Simon he might, but for my parents, um, first of all, because it's all in English, and they're just like, ah, it's it's too difficult to focus because it's all in English and too fast. Mm. And I got some constructive criticism from my mom about Great. how I talk apparently. <laughs> Oh, okay. And what does she say about the she, way you talk? She said that you talk very well. You talk so clearly. You um, enunciate your words, but that I mumble a lot. Oh. So now I'm super conscious about hmm. that. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, if it's not their cup of tea, then yeah. that's what it is. But it's nice that they gave it a try at least. Yeah, for sure. And I never thought that my mom would listen in the first place just because yeah, it's in English. Yeah, that's but... surprising. Well, we'll just have to do a German episode at some point. <laughs> no, it's fine. And I think, I don't think we started this podcast with my parents as the audience in mind anyway. So wait, it's fine. You didn't? Because I did. <laughs> well, maybe we should just do video calls with them every week then instead. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, them. <laughs> and thanks to all the people who have been listening. It's a small but steady number. And Miraculously. That's yeah, and that makes us very happy. <laughs> yeah, we're not, ju- we're not just talking into the void. <laughs> or ourselves, because ourselves. we do that enough. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so um, are we ready to get into it? Yes. So I just want to say uh, at the very beginning of the story that a lot of the sources in the story had very different bits of information mm-hmm. and so where there are sort of different versions of events, I will mention those. Mm-hmm. And as always, we're going to put the sources in the show notes. Okay. So without further ado, let me tell you the story of Malta Marek, um, okay. one of Austria's female Ooh. murderers. Austria. Yes. Okay. Yes. She was born, okay, so it starts right here um, <laughs> with the differing information. So mm-hmm. she was born Mata Löwenstein, or she was born Carolina Löwenstein, and maybe Martha is like a middle name or something. Okay. But she, everywhere she is named as Mata. Okay. But apparently Carolina might have been her birth name or like... What, it, who knows mm. and what's also very interesting is that there's two different years of birth for her mm-hmm. and so one of them is October 10th 1897 and the other is 1904 so okay, that's a pretty big difference yeah yeah I mean yeah almost a decade not that comes into play a bit because one is potentially problematic and the other less so. But it depends. So 
One story says that she was orphaned young and she came into the care of a poor Viennese family. But then another story is that she had many siblings. Her father ran off possibly to America for like lucrative business there. And she had a somewhat abusive mom. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe those can be combined as she was orphaned young from her like biological family and she was taken in by this family with many siblings and abusive mom. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But so there's these weird differences. And I'm sorry, I feel like it's just, it could be one thing or the other thing because here's the next one where there's Okay, another one. Yes. So number one is that she began working in a dress shop in 1919. So if she was born in 1904, she'd be 15. Okay. But if she was born in happened 
yeah. details are blurry because okay. this was right in the time between both world wars mm -hmm. so yeah who knows what happened okay. to a lot of information and newspapers and yeah mm. so after she became Fritz's ward he may have sent her abroad uh, to study sending her to schools in France and England and surrounded okay. her with wealth When she finished school, she returned to Austria and to Fritsch and secretly began an affair with a young engineering student named Emil Marek, who mm -hmm. was roughly maybe six years her junior. So, okay. Yeah. Wait, so how old was she now? So, <clears throat> I mean, if she was roughly let's i mean if we go with the date that i found that was more often mentioned she was mm -hmm. born in 1897 so she would have been in her mid 20s so he was probably beginning 20s early 20s okay so yeah. fritsch would be in his 80s now yes okay and so in august 1923 Fritsch died, and since she was made his sole inheritor, be either because he didn't have anybody else or because Martha's mother like blackmailed him, Martha inherited everything. Wow. Just uh, a year later, in 1924, Martha married Emil Marek, mm -hmm. and they lived together in the mansion that Fritsch lived in that there's also different bits of information one was that it was like he owned it and she inherited it another was mm -hmm. that he only rented it whichever it was they lived together and they managed to use up the entire inheritance within two years oh my god yeah uh, of I course mean, do you know how much I it was it, no i couldn't find much data on like amounts of money yeah. Which is kind of sad because I'd love to know. Mm. But I mean, I could imagine if the story is true about him surrounding her with wealth and sending her to these like prestigious schools and that she's just super used to a certain way of living. And yeah, that she's but... not going to give that up because suddenly she's like, oh, I need to think about my future and save. Mm. do you she, have any idea whether um when french was still alive whether she her relationship with uh, marek was secret or was it sort of open? yeah it was it was an affair yeah it was an affair so maybe after he died and she married marek they became more just had a lavish life together and previously Fritsch was sort of controlling her expen expenses, so it was managed better. Mm, maybe. Mm. I think that we can kind of bank on the fact that like, she suddenly had all this money and she hadn't really had to think about mm. like, how to manage it properly before then, either because like she was just so used to this lifestyle or because Fritsch like sort of had a tight leash on it mm. who knows okay but anyway they used up the entire inheritance uh, within two years and they were used to this way of life now so they obviously started trying to come up with ideas to earn money mm -hmm. but unlike you and me they weren't like no We're not gonna earn honest money through work like everybody else. Of course not. I like you and so me. their idea, yes. So their idea, do you want to take a guess? Okay. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is insurance scams. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is like, I feel like it's the murder sort of stereotype it's mm -hmm. all for like insurance money and that's literally this case okay I yeah mean, it's so yeah their like idea the was insurance sort of how to yes. earn money quickly but yeah but legally. 
Yeah, and it's also so there's like it's not easy to do correctly. Like mm-hmm. everybody messes up, as right. we will see. Okay. <laughs> right. So um, Mata took out um, insurance on her husband, and the next day, or roughly like a couple days later. Amia was injured in a wood chopping accident, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, this was probably on the 25th of June, 1925. Mm-hmm. And his foot had to be amputated. Oh, oh. So, wait. So yes. this was real then? No. Like, oh. <laughs> no. So, wait, but so, his, foot did, so his foot didn't get amputated? No, it got amputated, but it wasn't an accident. So the money, like the insurance, was for injury in case of an accident. Um, and there was likely going to be a bigger payout if the accident left him handicapped. Was so he in on was this? Be- yeah. Wait, so... Yes, he was. Okay, this is, this is not what I expected. I thought they were going to hurt other people <laughs> and not themselves. So he sacrificed his leg for insurance money. Yeah, so I saw the sentence a lot um, saying that Amir was completely like under the power of his wife. And so he like went along with her idea and Mm -hmm. like chopped off his foot. But there's also other stories that said like she chopped it off. I mean, wouldn't the hospital chop it off? Well... I mean, it, basically, he got brought into the hospital with it, like, I think not completely off. Yeah. And then because of the way it w- was, like, he was injured, they had to then, like, completely amputate it. Right, Like, right. they weren't able to save the leg, basically. Mm-hmm. So the insurance company, they found these circumstances very suspicious mm-hmm. and then refused to pay out so, and the started legal proceedings. Okay. So... In this legal process, forensic experts found evidence that there hadn't just been the one chop of the axe, but multiple. Meaning somebody, being Emil or Mata, had tried to, like, multiple times to, like, chop off the foot or the leg or whatever. Oh, that's so... In order to do it. Wait, I mean, he can't have done it himself, though, if it's his leg. I can't imagine... He would have a good aim on his leg. So it must have been yeah. Mata. It, it makes me very um, scared for him <laughs> because it's like, how yeah. are you so under someone's thrall that you're like, yeah, I'll just sit here and you go ahead and take an axe to my leg. Yeah. And I mean, I can't imagine that in this case that she really loved him. So... She was just using well, him this whole time. I mean, seriously, who knows? But oh, okay. yeah, it's just so, so weird. Say. Yeah. Right. So there was evidence that this obviously hadn't been an accident because there wasn't just the one chop, but multiple. Mm-hmm. Um, but still throughout this process, the public was on Martha's side because like I said, like they all found her very beautiful and talked mm. about how pretty she was. And they basically chalked it up to the insurance company didn't want to have to pay out mm. the insurance money. So yeah. the trial ended with both of them, Malta and Emil, not being guilt, like found guilty of uh, insurance mm-hmm. fraud. Okay. And the insurance company did pay them the money that they were owed. But um, Malta was uh, found guilty later of attempting to bribe uh, an, a forensic expert uh, to, I don't know, falsify. So he says that it's only one injury or mm. whatever it was, but attempting to bribe him and had to pay a fine for that. Okay. <laughs> so the legal process in its entirety probably or possibly dragged on for about two years because that mm. there were sources that claimed that while sitting in jail, uh, Marta shared a cell with the murderess 
Leopoldina Lichtenstein, who That's had cool been name. convicted. Right? It is. Yeah. Leopoldina Lichtenstein. Um, but she's not a cool person. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah. had been convicted for poisoning her husband with mm. um, rat poison containing thallium. And mm -hmm. so people later speculated that that's kind of where Mata got some of her ideas. Mm. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Okay. Yes. So there was these sources that were like, mm, she got this idea from this other like murderess. Um, but where the, so the legal process started in 1925 and lasted about two years. So we're, would be in 1927, roughly when it ended. And two years after that, uh, their son, Alphonse Marek, was born. Wait, so was she actually in jail for the bribery? No, for that, there was just a fine. But I think they might have been, like, holding her for, like, during the legal process of the insurance fraud. But then she was found not guilty of that. Yes, but so in the did she... during the, but this was like after like two years they found right, her not right, guilty right. of that. So in within those two years, possibly like she would have been mm. in jail and shared a cell with Leopoldina. Okay. Yeah, I just yeah, wonder would they get compensation for that? Mm, well, who knows? We don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know the Austrian legal system. Frankly, I don't know a lot of legal systems. So, mm. right. Okay, so, so their son was born. After, with, what's his name again? Yes. Alphonse. Okay. Yes. Like Alfonso, but probably without the O. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so after the trial, um, media popularity quickly began to decline. And as people who spend money very quickly do they very quickly ran out of money again that they earned from the insurance payout yeah and I mean, that was the sort of in addition to that yeah right so um with this whole thing um so Emil, he used to be like before he met manta a promising young like engineering student Mm -hmm. But um, it's reported that he quit university to live with her off the inheritance that mm -hmm. she had and work as an inventor instead. But right. this venture also failed, so there was no potential money being made from that. In 1931 or in 1932, somewhere around there, Emil and Mata's daughter was born and she has a great name. Okay. Ingeborg. Ingeborg, okay. Yeah. I know an Ingeborg. You do? Yeah, but I think she's in her 70s. <laughs> yeah, I can see that not being one of the most popular names anymore. Nowadays, yeah. Yeah. Um, right, so their daughter, Ingeborg, was born. Mm -hmm. And in 1932, after a long and slow progressing illness... Emil died, and the report stated his cause of death as being tuberculosis. Okay. And shortly after this, the, both kids start showing similar symptoms, and mm. baby Ingeborg dies not long after. Because she, like, if she was born 1931, 1932, and this was in 1932, mm -hmm. like, she's a baby. She doesn't have any protection against any illness there's no yeah. real immune system built up yet mm -hmm. so the story is li it's likely that malta also claimed similar symptoms and um went to hospital with alphonse like ingeborg had died and she's like oh i'm also feeling similar symptoms and mm -hmm. alphonse was already showing symptoms so they went to the hospital Yeah, And there, the hospital was able to um, cure or help heal Alphonse. He sh started showing signs of improvement. And mm -hmm. Mata soon also claimed to be feeling better. So okay. this 
sad story of becoming a widow and losing one of her kids, almost losing the other, once again brought a lot of attention onto the beautiful Malta. And oh, she gained okay. a lot of sympathy. <laughs> I'm surprised the news was reporting about that because they still remembered her from that one insurance fraud case and still tracked I guess her, her beauty left a huge impression, maybe. Now I really want to see and her who, picture. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, who knows how or like what the news focused on at that point. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, right. So she gained a lot of sympathy for this sad story that is her life. This included also money donations. Okay. So with this, a distant aunt of Mata's, her name was Susanne Löwenstein, reached out and made Mata her sole inheritor. Mm-hmm. This being the second time she was made the yeah, she's getting so many someone. chances, right? And just a side note, but Löwenstein is such a cool name too. Yes, it really is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So once again, she inherits all this money, and Susanna Löwenstein also dies not long after this in 1934. Mm-hmm. And right. some, like, I think I saw a source that said she died of and showing similar symptoms to Amy and the kids. Okay. Question mark, question mark, question mark. We're seeing a pattern right. here. Mm-hmm. All right. And I think you might guess. Mata inherits all this money from her distant aunt. And the aunt dies. Mata gets all this money. And it very quickly runs out again. <laughs> What is she using this Are you on? shocked? <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, Honestly. I feel like nowadays there are so many things you could buy that's expensive. If you had money, you could blow money on so many things. But in the You 30s, could buy a boat. You mean back yeah. then? You could buy a boat now, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Now, or uh, cars, or houses. I'm all, and it doesn't seem like she invested her money in property or i don't know because there'd be money in that yeah so she's using it on some something or things that don't bring you any value so (laughs) i'd love to have seen her closet i bet Mm. right yeah who knows all right so this was an somewhere between 1934 and 1936 that money ran out in 1936 Felicitas Kittenberger also great name right all these amazing names here Felicia Kittenberger Um, Felicitas Felicitas okay yes Uh, Felicitas Kittenberger who had been Martha's tenant or subtenant um, also died under very similar circumstances. And surprise, Malta had convinced Felicitas to take out a life insurance policy on herself mm. and make Malta the beneficiary of it. Okay, I mean, at this point, I think she's just really desperate because this is so much more obvious than the other stuff that happens. Like, okay, your like, relatives... Um, making you inheritor and you getting all this money when they die or you're like having insurance policies out on your family Mm. okay weird like why are you banking on something happening but okay it's your family but just a random person who you're not familiarly connected to in any way Mm. like that's just suspicious yeah and yeah, she's like not. With, she's getting. She is getting desperate. You're right. With the tuberculosis or the whole family being sick, you know that could be something contagious that just they were really unlucky and everybody got sick. But yeah, just having your tenant or subtenant suddenly die like that, and she, I assume yeah. she's she's relatively young or not sick or old in any way that 
makes well, it all she very had a suspicious. son at least. Okay. An adult son. Okay, well, I guess she might have so been... So middle-aged-ish. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. still, making Mata the beneficiary and not her son is weird. Yeah, yes, it is. It really is. And because of this, so after the death of Felicitas and another insurance scheme of Mata's that included her faking the theft of expensive paintings... Um, wait, wait. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're moving on from Felicitas. So not. So she was not. We're caught. getting back to it. Okay. We're I mean, at this point, though, when it just happened, nobody suspected her. Yes. Okay. Exactly. And then she moved so on Felicitas to dies. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. So Felicitas dies. I'm assuming the money from the insurance policy runs out very quickly. So she's like, I need mm-hmm. more money. Let's do another scheme for insurance money. She has all these expensive paintings um, insured and then fakes their theft. Mm-hmm. And this that this then roused some suspicions. And okay. this is where Felicita's son comes in. So he hears about this plus and connect like plus Mata's connection to his mother and his mother dying, mm-hmm. he gets very suspicious and he goes to law enforcement with his suspicions mm. and petitions to have his aunt and all the other bodies or sort of all the other people around Mata that died exhumed. Mm-hmm. And in having them exhumed and looked at, all the bodies were found to show evidence of thallium poisoning. Mm. So she didn't, didn't even thallium? change the poison. No, I don't. Yeah, no, she really didn't. So it was used at the time in rat poison, and it was mm-hmm. very readily available to okay. buy in apothecaries. Mm-hmm. And I, I was interested because the other causes of death were listed as being TB, tuberculosis, mm-hmm. and like them mistaking thallium for TB. It made me kind of like curious, okay, are there a lot of similarities in the mm-hmm. common symptoms? So I have a bit of a list for you. And okay. I got to say, there's not a lot of overlap. <laughs> so I'm kind of confused mm-hmm. because... um So symptoms of TB are things like cough, weight loss, night sweats, fever, fatigue, loss of appetite, swellings, chest pain. Um, If it is in other organs, it can cause problems in like kidneys or heart Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, And thallium presents in symptoms like stomach pain, diarrhea, vomiting, Tremors, headaches, seizures, huh. coma, eventual death. Um, yeah, and the very, only that's thing. Very different. Yeah, it is very different, yeah. And the only thing that kind of seemed to overlap was um, possible neurological symptoms mm-hmm. and just general, like gastrointestinal symptoms. Mm. But the neurological symptoms, I think they tended to only um, show up in sort of more developed cases of either of these two. So it's not like one of the more common mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And usually by the time like you get to that with thallium, I think you were more likely to die soon. Mm. Yeah. So okay. it, it, it makes me wonder. <laughs> Did you just not know all this stuff about thallium at the time? Yeah. Was this like a recent discovery or like what what was going on there? We don't know. Like, yeah, the medical sort of um, medicine history. Yeah. But I'm just sad. I'd be super interested. Registering that she killed her own husband. I mean, she hasn't been convicted yet, so we don't know. But from where the conversation is going, it feels like she's going to be found guilty of killing her husband, her son, 
her mm-hmm. great aunt and other people, innocent people, and it's just so. I mean, she tried killing her daughter as well. So yeah, it's just well, she insane. did kill her daughter. Oh, her son. Oh, also her son. Yeah, Alphonse. That's right. Yeah, got them mixed yes. up. Mm. Anyway, keep right. going. Okay, so like I said, it was used in rat poison and was readily mm-hmm. available. And there's one story um, where I saw, it, like it was said that um, the apothecary that sold the thallium to Mata um, was possibly a witness during the trial and saying like, oh yeah, she bought like thallium for me multiple times or mm-hmm. she actually maybe even had it like delivered to her house, which right. is just bullshit and <laughs> but yeah um and so like like she was arrested and um in court marta faked blindness and blindness and seizures and mm. these are symptoms of thallium poisoning so she's maybe trying to build up a story like oh it wasn't me like look I'm I'm showing symptoms too mm-hmm. or whatever but it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. On May 19, 1938, Marta Marek was sentenced to death. And the public assumed that since she's a woman, the death sentence would um, be commuted to life imprisonment instead. But a mm-hmm. uh, pop quiz for you, what else happened around 1938? Uh, World War II? Yeah, so 1938, um, this was actually... So she was sentenced to death May 1938, and Austria was actually annexed to the German Reich in March. So at this point, like, Austria was part of, like, the German Reich, and so um, Hitler was in power at the time of the sentencing and so he rejected the petition to commute the death sentence to life imprisonment instead okay so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Marta, I, I was just surprised hitler actually plays a role in this story right it's yeah. <laughs> so random mm. yeah so Mata marik was executed on the 6th of december 1938 um she was the first to be executed on the guillotine recently brought from Berlin to Vienna. Mm-hmm. And the execution was carried out on the premises of the Vienna Regional Court by the executioner Johann Reichardt. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to go a little bit into capital punishment in Austria because mm. it is a bit of a back and forth. Right. And so it was originally abolished in 1787, but it was then restored in 1795. And then there was like a bit of an amendment, I think beginning of 1800, 1805, something like mm-hmm. that, where um, they stipulated that you have to be over 20 to get the death penalty, but also... It's like not no death penalty for murder, but death penalty for other crimes, something Wait, like that. No death penalty for murder before other crimes. Yeah. Do you know what kind of other crimes would qualify? No, I don't. But they made that distinction. Maybe something and like treason. Excuse me. Maybe yeah, mm. or I don't know what else is bad. Um like fraud yeah but I can't think, why can't i think of any crimes right now well maybe their um maybe their way of thinking here was we want people who killed someone to actually like feel their punishment like be in jail and repent or whatever mm, i don't know i feel like I don't know, but I'm surprised. When was the f- you said the first time it was banned was when? Um, 1787. That is very early. Like, I'm surprised so, that they actually banned it such a long time ago. I think this was um, 
Maria Teresa who did it, like who okay. abolished it. And I think it was restored by King Leopold. Mm-hmm. Or or was it a King Johann the second? There's a lot of king names and I know mm. that I've heard them all before, but the exact like way of history or the chronological history in this case escapes me. But there's basically a lot of like back and forth between rulers and mm-hmm. because of like tensions and like politics, that's like a lot of the reason why these like it was abolished and restored and then sort of mm. like exemptions made and like changes made yeah it was just very very back and forth mm-hmm. and so i also the general method of um execution in austria was hanging until hitler came and made it death by guillotine that's so unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, the death penalty, in my opinion, is unnecessary, but just period. But by guillotine? Yeah. And that's why Malta was the first to be executed on the guillotine, because it mm-hmm. was like they hadn't had one in Vienna because they didn't use that as a method of execution. And that's yeah. why it was brought from Berlin to Vienna. Wow. So it was just because Hitler introduced it. No, she was just the first on it. But Hitler reintroduced the guillotine as a method. Yeah. So they brought in a guillotine. And she just happened okay. to be the first one. Wow. Yes. Couldn't they just build one in Austria, in Vienna? Why did they have to bring it all the way from Berlin? Good question, actually. Hmm. Very good question, actually. Who knows? <laughs> so that's interesting. Do you know whether yes. this specific guillotine has been preserved or can be like seen in a museum in vienna or something i really hope so <laughs> i need to do some research I on know. that but that'd be so Gruesome. interesting it would be interesting to see yeah it might have yeah. more yeah it, more it, it is kind about, of gruesomely interesting yeah. yeah about why it was carried from berlin to austria and maybe about Malta as well mm. yeah i'll have to look that up mm. remind me to um let you know next time yeah All right, so Hitler came and said guillotine. But then after the war, um, under occupation, um, hanging was reintroduced by the British to Austria. Mm -hmm. Then in 1950, it was abolished again for murder, but not other crimes. But um, executions, yes, same thing again. Very weird. So it was abolished for murder... You're sure yes. it's there still? Well, I mean, the only thing I can think of is maybe where you betray your country or you're a spy for yeah, treason, basically. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, earlier we were saying that, the, or I was saying that the guillotine is so brutal and unnecessary, but hanging is probably more painful, isn't it? Yeah, it's not as and quick. And it's longer. <laughs> guillotine is one second and you don't even really see it happening and the next moment you're just mm-hmm. it's over but I guess it's a spectacle and it's more shocking to the people seeing it but if you're experiencing then hanging is I I would say definitely worse yeah yeah <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just checking up again because I also find it very weird that it's abolished for murder, but not for other things. Mm. So um, capital punishment in Austria was abolished for murder on the 30th of June, 1950. But executions continued into the 1950s, I think roughly like 1955, under mm-hmm. Allied military law in like the Soviet occupied zone, and the last executions there took place no later than 1955, which was when the occupation ended. And then capital punishment as a whole was abolished completely in February 1968. So there is mm-hmm. that distinction between capital punishment for murder and capital capital punishment as a whole. Okay, so but what I'm getting 
because uh, oftentimes I think when legally it capital punishment is a punishment that exists and can be mm-hmm. handed out as a sentence, it doesn't mean that the judges do it. I guess until the legislation changes, um, mm-hmm. it could still be in the law that you can the the death penalty still exists, but until it actually changes in the law. Maybe judges already said we're not going to hand out the sentence, but I didn't know that Austria was also occupied by the Soviets for a while. I mean, it was part of the Reich, yeah, right? I, I mean, know. they. I thought it was just like uh, East Germany. I guess not. <laughs> yeah, let me look. I mean, I allied I, occupied I know th- Austria. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. We learned so much about... Um, yeah, it focuses so much on Germany history. Yeah. Like, it ended... Uh, it was yeah. for 10 years. Ended in 1955. Like you said earlier, I guess. <laughs> but... Okay, and also Germany was divided into East and West, mm-hmm. whereas Austria was always under a joint occupation. Mm-hmm. So okay. it was never divided. In the same sense. Interesting, okay. I mean, I, I don't know, though. It has occupation sectors within Austria, but I guess as a whole, they never separated the country, and it was only 10 years, so... Only 10 years. I mean, still pretty... Pretty long, Yeah. But, uh, um, I don't want to, like, voice any like, opinions here knowing nothing about the Austrian uh, part of um, post-World War II history, mm. but... I mean, possibly having to do something with, like, Austria was annexed into the Third Reich. They weren't. Yeah. No, yeah, we, we just don't know, know anything about that mm. part, like, that part of post-World War II history. Like, yeah. yeah, like you said, like, the education in history that we get from World War II is largely, like, allied powers and... um and like Germany and what happened afterwards in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess it's also because it, the history, I don't know, in Germany it lasted for so long and mm-hmm. only really resolved itself in recent history. But arguably the divide still exists in some areas. But this has nothing to do with our case. So <laughs> do you have any yeah. other things you wanted to add? No, that was actually um, the last thing. Just she was executed and yeah, there was like, like you heard just now, there's just a lot of um, changes like backs and forths with uh, capital punishment in Austria. But Mm. so she was uh, executed in 1938. And I think the last person um, that was executed in Austria that wasn't like in the um, Soviet occupied zone was um, a man named Johann Trunka it's T-R-N-K-A I have no idea how you there's no Uh vowel there except at the end Okay. and he was hanged on the 24th of March 1950 so the mm-hmm. other, the other executions there, they weren't like, they were on Austrian soil, but they weren't by, I guess, the Austrian government, or it was mm. because of the occupation. So they aren't counted. Okay, Let's yeah, I mean that makes sense because it's not really the Austrian government doing it. Yeah, that's okay. probably it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, that was uh, that was a short one for today. But I guess yeah. that's a bit of a um, change from last episode. Yeah, I think it's because it I have was a short quite one. A <laughs> and I mean, it's, we're saying it's short. The recording, uh, the recording's already one hour, so. Yeah, but we've gone way over that before. <laughs> that's true, that's true. No, but it was an interesting case, yeah. And it was nice to hear about yeah. Austria because you always have this idea that it's so peaceful. I mean, it is peaceful there and... And this mm-hmm. was an old case, so yeah, I'd be interested There's to see more, more about distance Austrian to cases. It. Yeah, they're more recent That's true, as well. Yeah. Mm. 
That's cool. Yeah, like we just noticed like so much stuff happened in other countries besides Germany, like following World War II, obviously. Um, mm. But like history focuses so much on these specific things that a lot of other important bits of history sort of get like not talked about or lost or forgotten mm. um where like it's like your last case like the family massacre like mm. i had no idea and it's so recent and we yeah. like we didn't know about it so yeah it's interesting to hear um these lesser known bits of history and yeah i guess i just i also wanted to do a case with a woman being the perpetrator and just you don't get a lot of female serial killers or i mean poison as a method of killing is generally mm -hmm. used by women but yeah you don't get many females with multiple murder victims i think yeah well it's funny you say that because my case next week will also oh be a female murderer oh okay yes but it will also i think be a shorter one because i just had so much information overload from the Nepal yeah i think that's fine so i needed a shorter one also an old one so okay. That's I think good. we're both think. having a sort of lighter. I mean, what happened was awful, and yeah, yeah, you'll learn about it next week. But yeah, um, but yeah, it was just also more distance, just more distance to the yes. case. Like it's still mm. horrific, but it's so weird with like stuff like the family massacre in Nepal, where it's mm. like we were alive at that point. Like we were, we were alive, on yeah. the planet when this happened. Mm. And there, there's just something so hard to get your head around with that. It's like we were mm -hmm. alive and this was happening. But yeah, there's just this, um, a bit more emotional distance mm -hmm. with it being further in the past, I think. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Well, thank you yeah, for the so Julia. You're welcome. Yeah, um, I hope you enjoyed. And that was Mata Marek, the... Sometimes called the blonde angel of Vienna. I, I blonde saw angel. Some. Okay. Yeah, really because she was up. just so beautiful. I want to see her picture for sure, but yeah. Yeah, so that was anyway. my case for this week. And mm -hmm. please, <laughs> I mean, if you're listening, you're already listening, but please listen. And <laughs> I mean, we'd love some commentary, like some responses, what you're thinking. If you have some improvements, you can follow us on Instagram at Murder on Silk Road. If you want, you can write us a message there. Mm -hmm. And anything else you want to say? Um, no, just thank you for listening and see yes, you next week. And yes, hopefully see you next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Good night. Good morning. Good day. Bye. <laughs> Bye.